I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. It thrills me to look out and see all these empty seats over here. You don't hear pastors say that a lot, by the way, because that's full of these kids. Isn't that awesome to know there's that many of them that were in here first service? And then I look over and I see three rows of teenagers over here, and it just excites me to see the next generation and how we are pouring into the next generation. And one of the things I am so thankful for and I love about this church is that we truly are multi-generational. I remember a couple years ago, I had a church in town that approached me in the community and said, hey, do you mind if we hand out uh, vacation Bible school forms uh, at your church? And I said, sure. They said, well, the reason we're having to do that is we don't have any kids like under fifth grade in our entire church. And that broke my heart for them and for our community because I realized that there's so much opportunity. And, and I know that was hard on that church. And, it, and I do not ever take for granted the fact that we are multi-generational here and that we're pouring into these guys and those guys over there. Well, I'm going to give you permission today. Are you ready for this? I'm going to give you permission that most pastors would never do. But I'm going to give you permission today to do something. Are you ready? I'm going to tell you you can stop going to church. Come on, somebody. There it is. Are you excited? You go to church today, and pastor says, you can stop going to church. First service, one of the guys got up and started walking out. I had to stop him. I said, you got to stay for the whole service. You'll get what I'm saying here in a minute. But, but I want you to stop going to church, and I'm going to explain what I mean here in a second. If you look in your notes today, we're going to be reading out of Psalm 92, verses 12 through 15. This is just what I call a one-off message. And uh, we're going to be talking today about what it means to be planted in the house of God. Psalm 92, verses 12 through 15, and here's what it says. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar tree of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green proclaiming that the Lord is upright and he is my rock. I'm going to read just the first sentences again. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. If you've got your notes, circle that word flourish like a palm tree and they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Here's what it's saying. It said, if you want your life to flourish, which is not a word that we use a lot. As a matter of fact, I don't know that we ever really use the word flourish. If you ever walked up to somebody and say, hey, How's life going? They usually will not look at you and say, well, I'm just flourishing. My life is flourishing. I've never heard anybody say that. You know, if you're with somebody and they say my life is flourishing, just step away. It's okay. There's, I, don't, I don't know. That's not a word we typically use. But in this context, here's what the word flourish means. It means to be fruitful. It means to be growing. It means to be green. It means to be vibrant. It means to be over alive to flourish, and what, then you need to be planted in the house of God. 
planted in the house of God. Now, it says two different examples of plants here. It talks about being flourishing like a palm tree and then flourishing like a cedar tree. And there's a couple of interesting things about both of those plants. Cedar trees are very interesting. Matter of fact, our home is a log home, and it's made out of cedar trees. And just a couple of months ago, we had a crew come out. They power washed our house. It's 20 years old. Power washed the house, stained it, and the builder came to me and said, man, I got to tell you something amazing. How old is this house? I said, it's about 20 years old. He said, it was amazing. He said, made out of cedar logs. I said, yes. He said, still, there were no cracks in your house. 20 years, that log home has been sitting in this weather that we have, and there are no cracks in it. He said, it's amazing how strong and durable cedar is. And I thought it was really cool as I read today where the scripture talks about when we are planted in the house of God, that we will be like a cedar tree. And that means one that is durable. And and I want to ask you this question. There's, There's a couple of things that are interesting about cedars. They're very, very durable, last for a long time. But the other thing that cedar trees do is when you cut them, they they have this nice aromatic smell. As a matter of fact, you can go to a local grocery store and buy a can of it and just smell like a, you know, a cedar tree, right? It's got that cedar smell. Many of you may have a chest or even a closet that's made out of cedar. Anybody have one of those in your house? Yeah. And some of those things can be 50, 75 years old. We've got one that's, I don't know, 75 years old maybe. You can open it up and it still smells like what? Cedar. It lasts for a long time. Something else that's interesting about cedar is that it actually repels insects. There are most insects will not be found on a cedar tree. They will not bore into the cedar tree because of, of its uh, properties that it has in it. So God says, if you're planted in my house, you will grow up and you'll be like a cedar tree, durable. You'll smell good. Come on, turn to a teenager say, you smell good. That means you bathe, right? But, but you'll be like a cedar tree. You, you, here, here's, here's the point there. There's something about scents that smell good. If you walked in here Friday night and you smelled all those desserts, ah, it was awesome, (laughs) right? You came in while you smell these things, while they're comforting to us. Our lives have a smell. Your life smells like something. Here's a question. What's it smell like? Does it smell like death or does it smell like life? Are you the kind of person people want to be around? Or are you kind of person that repels people from you? Your life smells. Turn to your labor and say, you smell. Go ahead. That's, that's fine. You smell. Turn to your second choice and say, you need to bathe. Go ahead right now. Say that to them. Say that to them. But here's another thing that's interesting about cedar trees. They're green year-round. You know, here in a, in a few weeks, praise God, the temperature is going to drop. Somebody give me, let's, let's just, Hallelujah. Now, in three months, y'all be going, I wish it'd warm up. You know who you are, right? But the leaves are going to drop, but you know what's still going to be green? Come on, Joey, what's going to be green? Cedar trees. They're still going to be green, pine, cedar trees, because they're green year-round. Interesting, palm trees represent something as well. Now, palm trees also stay green year-round, but in the Middle East, especially like the Romans, the Greeks, and even in in Jesus' time, cedar trees represented something. When the Olympics would go on, they would give them a laurel of, of like leaves, trees. There were these evergreens, part of this family of palms, and that meant you were victorious. 
Palm trees represented victory. When Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, people were standing by the side of the road and waving palm branches and singing Hosanna, which is what we sang this morning. They were singing that song. And those palm uh, branches being waved represented victory and triumph. And they were laying those things on the road as Jesus came in. And so we see God saying, your life is going to be durable. Your life is going to have a sweet or a good aroma. You're going to resist corruption from outside sources. You're going to be green year-round. You're never going to fade. You're also going to be victorious and triumphant. This is the heritage of God's people, but here's the key, and if you're not careful, you'll miss it, that are planted in the house of God. Everybody say planted. That is different than not being planted. And here's what I want you to understand. In our life, God wants us to flourish, but sometimes we become spiritually dry. He wants us to be thriving or emotionally healthy. He wants us to be connected and have good relationships, which is one of the reasons that we're doing all these events in church. By the way, I was told to tell you guys the tailgate party will be on this property, so don't be driving through. It'll actually be here. So when you come next Sunday, it'll be here in the afternoon. But we want you to thrive and build these vibrant relationships. God also wants you to prosper physically and financially, and that's not a, some weird gospel. That's who God wants you to be because you can't help people if you can't help yourself. But the most important thing that God wants is for you to be fulfilled in your life and be the person that he's created you to be. And you will find fulfillment when you become that person, when you begin to walk as he's called you to. Because here's the thing. Going to church is not the goal. Going to church is not the goal. Being the church is the goal. So here's what I want you to do, and I'm going to tell you now, because some of you are like, I am not coming back. Pastor said I didn't have to go to church. I want you to stop going to church, and I want you to start being the church. Amen? Amen. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you right now. <laughs> turn to your second choice and say, listen up. Come on, listen up. Right? So we, we're going to stop going to church, and we're going to start being the church. Here's the deal. How many of you went to football games, like to go to football games? Can I see your hands? I love to go to football games. How many of you like to go to the movies? Okay, here's the deal. Here's what our society is basically built around. We, we come, sit, listen, right? We're not very participative. When you go to, ooh, that's a good word, participative. We, I, could, I better stop saying it because I didn't say it first service. I had barely could say it then. Here's the deal. You go to the theater. Sean, you go to the theater. You give them your money. You go in and you sit down. You have your popcorn and you watch what happens, and then you get up and leave. There's zero interaction that goes on. Unless it's a scary movie and then you scream, right? But usually there's not a lot of interaction. We come, sit, listen. Church can be that way too sometimes. We come, we sit, we listen, and then we leave. But that's not what God's purpose is in the church. God calls you here because he wants to encourage you. He wants to teach you. He wants to motivate you. He wants to inspire you so that when you're done here, you go out there and you carry church with you. It's not about coming to church. It's about being the church. That is what he is calling us to be, and that is what he is calling us to do. But here's the deal. A lot of people go to church, but they're not planted. They go, 
but they're not planted. Now, let me ask you a question today. If, if you were a plant, and let's say, or let me just, let me back up. Let's say you have a plant at home, and if you were to go home today and say, you know what, I'm going to take this plant, and I'm going to pull it out of this planter, and I'm going to move it over here and put it in another planter. That's no problem, right? You can do that. But what if you did that every day? Is that plant ever going to grow? No. It's never going to grow. Why? Because it doesn't have time to get settled and get its roots down deep into the soil and establish itself. What happens is, and there's literally a term for this, we shock the plant. We shock it. And when you shock that plant, it stops doing anything, and then it has to get settled over here, and then it has to begin to grow again, and then you pull it up and you shock it again. And here's what happens when we are not planted in a church. And I'm not just talking about this church. I'm talking about the church. If we are pulled up, and then next week we go over here, and we're planted, and then we pull up, and then we don't go, and we don't do anything, and then we pull up. What happens is you stay in a constant state of shock, and you never grow. And you could have a plant that's 10 years old and this big when it should be a big, huge, flourishing plant. Why? Because it's never been established And it's never had an opportunity to let its roots go deep. And it's never had the opportunity to grow. And that's exactly what the scripture is saying here. It says not those who just come into the house of the Lord are not those that just go to the house of the Lord. It says those that are planted in the house of the Lord. Planted. Now listen, because some of you don't know me well. And so I want to let you know something about me. I'm not just about this church. I'm about the church. And I recognize as a pastor that there are some people that for whatever reason don't love this. As beautiful as it is. I had a lady in first service come up to me. She said, oh, pastor, you look so pretty today. I was like, pretty. She did, Marty. She goes, pretty. I go, I'm not pretty. I'm a man. (laughs) You know? But you look so pretty. But, you know, I'm not everybody's flavor of pastor. And you know what? That's okay. I'm not supposed to be everybody's flavor of pastor. But people a lot of times use that as an excuse not to get plugged into a church. Or maybe somebody hurt their feelings one time. And so Sister Mary Margaret over somewhere hurt your feelings. And because she hurt your feelings, now you don't want to go to any church because you had a bad experience one time. Or maybe you didn't like the song service or whatever. And we've got all these excuses. And here's what's happening. We don't allow ourselves to become planted into the house of God. And so because of that, we never grow. And get this. Whether you know it or not, you want your life to flourish. There's not one person in this room that if I said, hey, would you like your life to be a train wreck and a disaster, that you'd go, yes, please, sign me up. Nobody wants that. We all want our life to be good. And can I tell you something, guys? Literally, look at what God said here. He said, if you allow yourself to be planted in God's house and bring your roots down deep, you will flourish. You will be durable. You'll smell good. Your life will be worth being around. You'll become the person you want you to be. God is literally giving you a recipe for success in your life. 
But if you're up and down and up and down and you're not giving yourself time to be planted, you're never going to mature and grow. And those are not my words. Those are his. Those are his. Amen? I want you to think about this as an illustration that I thought of. If people are like trees, how can they ever grow and mature if all they are doing is running around on their roots? That's good preaching right there. But think about it. How can you ever grow and mature if all you're doing is running around your roots? You have to get planted in the soil. Amen? Anybody want me to move on? Yes, somebody said, yes, please, pastor, move on. All right, I've only got two points today, two points. You ready for this? We're going to talk about what happens when you are actually planted and what that looks like. Uh, Jeremiah 17, verse 8, when you, when you, number one, look on your notes, when you are planted, your roots grow deep. Your roots grow deep. Jeremiah 17, verse 8, they are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water, such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. When we become plugged in and planted into God's plan for our life, which is the church, when we become rooted and grounded in our church, what happens is we flourish. And even when the world around us is suffering, even when the world around us is in a drought, if we're plugged into God's plan for our life, we're never going to have to face that drought, spiritual drought. We can still flourish when other people are not flourishing. Years ago, uh, Trish and I had an opportunity to go to Northern California. Uh, some friends of ours pastored out there, and they said, have you ever seen the Redwoods? I said, no. I said, let's go. So we go out to the Redwoods. Have any of y'all been to the Redwoods, anybody? It's amazing. Now, now I did some study on Redwoods, and they're a very cool tree. They're the biggest tree in the world, and they can grow up to 300 feet tall or 30 stories tall. Now, to give you some perspective, 30 stories is the size of the Statue of Liberty. These are huge trees, 30 stories tall. But what's also interesting about Redwoods is their root system will grow out three stories wide. Three stories, 150 feet. Their roots of that one tree can go out 150 feet in all directions. What's cool about that is that if you go and you find a grove of redwood trees, each one of those trees is growing, but something really cool happens, and as they grow deep down into the ground like that, and then their roots go out, the trees around them roots begin to expand as well, and something cool happens. They begin to intertwine. And so what happens whenever you see a grove of redwood trees is you will see them together, but they are all interconnected. All of their roots cover each other. And here's what, what happens. If a wind blows over here and it blows real hard, it may blow this tree, but this tree is actually being held by these other trees over here because their roots are holding on to them. What does that mean? What that means is if Scott's getting blown around, if we're connected relationally, if we're planted together, then I can help hold Scott. But it's not just me. It's Mark. And it's all, the, all of us together. When one of us begins to blow, the other ones bear down and hold that one. Because here's the truth. You and I are going to go through some stuff. And there's going to be times that you may face depression. And there's going to be times that you face loss. And there's going to be times that you have things that happen that are very difficult. And that is when you need the other trees to hold on to you. And that's one of the reasons that God called us together in community. That as we're planted, not only do your roots, Andrew, help you grow, you are able to connect with those around you and you hold them down as well. And that's God's plan.
We are planted not just as a single seed, but we are planted as a forest to support each other and care for each other. So the first blank is your roots grow deep. Here's the second blank. Your roots produce fruit. Everybody say fruit. Listen to this, Jeremiah 17, 8. With roots that reach deep into the water, such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. God created your life not just to grow deep, but he also created you to produce fruit. Now, the fruit of the Spirit that you know of is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Those are the fruit of the Spirit in our life. And as we are planted deep into God's house, we will begin to grow. And here's what happens. The natural outgrowth of our life is that we begin to produce that kind of fruit. And here's what that means. When you're out in the world, when you're out walking around and you're living the kind of life that God wants you to, rooted and grounded, you're going to produce those things. And then basically somebody can come up and say, I say, hey, Caden, you need a little love in your life? Here, take this apple. (laughs) I got a love orange for you there, buddy. And you begin to produce patience. You begin to produce these things. And so the people that are in your life, they begin to be able to be recipients of the love of God that's being produced outside of you. That's what happens. You know, part of our vision for this church is this becomes a redwood forest over here. And then when people need a place to come and get in the shade and get some fruit and get some rest, they can look over and go, wow, let's go to that forest. Let's let's go to that place. Down in Texas at our ranch, at the front part of our property, there's one huge, massive oak tree. It's out all by itself. It's been there since before. It was huge when I was a little bitty kid. I still remember it. It sits at the front of our ranch. You pull in, there it is, massive tree. I don't know how many people it would take to go around it. But it's the only big tree out in that whole front pasture. But you know what I've noticed about that tree? During the summer, like right now, all those cows are out there. And if you ever wonder where the cows are, just look at the tree. Those cows know intrinsically, we need to get out of this heat. We need a place of rest. We need a place that we can find refreshment. We need to be at a place where we're protected when it begins to rain or different things happen. So what do they do? They look for the big tree. They look for a place of shelter. And God has called you and I to be planted in his church. Why? Not only just for ourselves, guys, but for those around us, that we provide a place of protection and a place of shelter for our families for the next generation, for each other. We support each other. We lift each other up. We provide a place of protection and safety. And that is God's call for our life. That is God's plan for our life. I went outside to uh, get a, a little bitty acorn. That's an acorn. And the tree that I went out to, just right as soon as you walk out this door, there's a tree right there. And I walked over to it. It's probably 30 foot tall. It's a pretty good-sized tree. And I walked up, and I was looking around the ground. I could see squirrels and different animals had been around there eating stuff. And, and this was the smallest acorn I could find that was intact. And as I stood by the tree, and I looked up, and I realized that the entire DNA of that tree 
is in that tiny little acorn. Given the right environment, this little acorn has the same potential as that massive tree. And I thought, well, that's interesting. What does that look like? I mean, what's necessary for us to grow? If we're planted in the house of God, what is necessary for us to be successful? Well, well, Jesus talked about where you sow seeds, like acorns or plants or whatever. And he talked about different kinds of soil. And he told a parable in Matthew chapter 13 of a farmer that was going out to sow seed. And some of the seed fell on hard ground, kind of like this floor. And, and it, immediately, Jesus said, the birds saw the seed and they swooped down and picked it up because it wasn't good soil. It was hard ground. And some of the seeds fell on rocky ground. There wasn't much soil. So what happened is they came up quickly, but then the sun began to scorch them and they died because their roots weren't deep. And then the third kind of soil was a soil that was, it was decent soil, but as the plants began to grow up, so did all these thorns and brambles and weeds. And the weeds literally, Jesus said, choked out the life of the plant. And I want to tell you, in your life, that's your environment. That's who you're around, who you're with, those close influences, and sometimes they will literally choke the life out of you. But then Jesus said this, but the last seed, the last seed fell on good ground. And it had everything it needed to be successful. And it grew up and it produced a crop that was 30, 60, 100 times what that one seed was. Just like this acorn out here. When it grows up and it becomes full, thousands of acorns come off of it every year. And you know, given time, a whole forest can develop from one tree. But there's another thing back there, Mark, that I thought was interesting. Sitting about four or five feet away from one of these big oak trees right out this door is a tree that looks identical to the one next to it. They were obviously from the same family of trees. They look almost identical. But during the building, the construction of this building, when they were digging the power lines out, some of the roots or something must have gotten cut, and now that tree is dead. It sits right next to the other one. They look alike, but one of them is producing life, and the other one isn't good for anything any more than firewood. Man, that hit me because I thought it's like us. Are we producing life? Are we being fruitful? Or are we just kindling? Are we just taking up space? What are we? And guys, this is not just a question. This is the question. What kind of life are you living? What kind of life do you have? Are, are you planted? Are you growing? Or are you just taking up space? Because God's plan for each of us is that we flourish that we become planted in his house and we flourish. Because can I tell you something? There's very few things in life more rewarding than being the person that God's called you to be. Having a reason to get up in the morning. And it's not about being a pastor. It's about being a follower of Christ, regardless of where you live and where he's planted you. Listen, I'm going to give you five short things here and then I'm going to close. There's things that a seed needs to grow and flourish. There's things that it needs. And I talked to 
one of our big farmers after church, and we talked about this, and he said, Pastor, that was right on. So I want you to hear these things. This is what this seed needs, this acorn needs to grow. It needs soil, and it needs good soil. That's the first thing. And when we talk spiritually about the soil that's in your life, I'm talking about your heart. What's in here? Everything starts here for you. If you're a Christ follower, then you've got good soil here. Maybe you've had some weeds and different things that have come up. But can I tell you something? If you'll surrender to him, he can get this soil right. He can get your soil right. So you start with your heart. The second thing that you need is light. A seed has to have light. We know this. And so God's word, the scripture tells us, is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I talked to some of the teens the other day. You need to be in your word. Not because of some religious exercise. You need to be in your word for yourself. Because God's word is a light. And you need that light shining on you. The third thing that you need is water. You've got to have water. Aren't you glad we had rain the other day? Isn't that cool? It was wet. I walked outside. I was walking across the parking lot at one of the grocery stores. And the guy was walking out. And I looked up and I said, what is this? He goes, man, I don't know. (laughs) Been so long. Jesus is the living water. You got to have your heart right. You need God's word. Jesus is living water. He's living water. Here's the third thing or fourth thing you've got to have is temperature. You have to have the temperature right for something to grow. And that means we need the fire of the Holy Spirit to keep us warm. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives to warm us and help that seed grow and reach the potential that it has. And here's the fifth thing, and I'm going to camp out on this for a second. Time. It takes time. You know, I shared this in first service, and I'll share it with you guys too. A few months ago, the Lord and I were talking, and he started really talking to me about my health. And, and I'm 52. I'm going to be 53 in about a month, November 2nd, my birthday. Just <laughs> throwing that out there for y'all. In case you're wondering, 2nd of November. Um, but I was saying, man, I'm going to be 53 years old, and in the worst, it was in the worst shape of my life. And, and God really started talking to me of, man, you've got an awesome family. You've got an incredible church. You've got to start taking care of yourself. And really, it was, you know, it was deeper than that. It was like a really important thing. And I started really thinking about it. So a couple months ago, I started working out. About five days a week, I go in and working out with, with one of the guys from the church, and a few of the church members are in there. As a matter of fact, Hazel, since you're here, I'm going to tell on you. I hadn't planned on this. This is awesome. Uh, I'd been working out maybe a week or two, and, and Hazel was in the gym, and she walked out, and she came up to me. She goes, oh, pastor, I didn't know you worked out. I'd been there three weeks. I was like, well, you know, I'm like, yeah, that didn't look like it, but yeah, yeah, worked out every once in a while. But Sean's in there, we're all giving each other a hard time, but decided to step it up and get a trainer. Never done that before. And so I met with the trainer a couple weeks ago when we were visiting. It was just he and I, and we were talking, and, and I said, I said, Jeff, Jeff's 63 years old, just a rock, you know. I said, Jeff, I said, 
you know, how quick am I going to get to my goals, Jeff? How quick? Is it going to be like two months, six months? You know, what's it going to be? And he said, you're asking the wrong question. I said, well, when am I going to start feeling different? When am I going to start looking different? He goes, no, no, no. He goes, he goes, pastor. He asked me, he goes, can I call you PC? I said, yeah. He goes, PC. I said, yeah. He goes, you're asking the wrong question. He said, you don't need to worry about that. You need to show up to the gym today. You need to eat right today. And then tomorrow you need to show up to the gym. And tomorrow you need to eat right. He goes, if you'll do that, you'll end up where you want to be. You don't need to be hung up on a calendar. You need to do the right thing today. Guys, that impacted me. Because I want everything like many of you. I want it right now. I want everything to be okay right now. I want everything to work yesterday. But that's not how God's kingdom works. That's not how his kingdom works. And this last point is it takes time. Let me ask you a question, and I'm going to answer it for you, but I want you to listen to it. When is the best time to plant a tree? I'm going to give you the answer. 20 years ago. The best time to plant an oak tree is 20 years ago, if you want it to look like these. But you know the other time, the best time to plant a tree? Today. Today. You can't change 20 years ago. Newsflash, you can't change last night. But you can make a decision today. And then what it's going to take for you is time. You have to be in this for the long haul. Church isn't something that you drive up to McDonald's and just expect to get what you want and then drive out and everything's good. That's not the way the kingdom of God works. Come on up, Wes. The way the kingdom of God works is time and consistency. Guys, getting the life that you want, having a life that will flourish over time, takes time. And I'm just telling you, you don't need to worry about what you're going to look like in a year or five years. You need to take care of today. Jesus said that. The disciples said, well, what are we going to do about this, that, and the other thing? What about? And Jesus said, whoa, 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 guys. Tomorrow's got enough going on. Let's focus on today. So here's the point. It's so easy, and I watch this, I've watched this for years, in my own life and in other people's lives too. We want things to go well, but then we don't make the decisions to back that up. We don't. We wish. I wish this would happen. I wish my family was better, but then we don't do anything. I wish this would happen, and God has given us the key. Notice Notice this, guys. Watch this. This is the big aha moment, okay? You ready? Here's what God is saying. Get planted in my house. Get planted. Don't get up on your roots and run around. Get planted. And then over time, you will flourish. Over time, you will flourish. Get planted. Let your roots grow deep. And when drought comes, you'll be okay. 
When storms come, you won't be alone. When challenges begin to happen to you, you'll be part of a family that can stand with you. It is not a perfect family. This is not a perfect church. It only has a perfect pastor. (laughs) Who's pretty? (laughs) You know, you've heard this before. If you find a perfect church, don't go there because you'll mess it up. We're not perfect. I may even hurt you. I won't mean to, but I might. Somebody may say something, do something. No perfect churches. And if it's not this one, find one. Find a place and get planted. One of the reasons that Andrea and Barbie and the team are doing these events, we're doing bingo, not because we're trying to put the Catholic church out of bingo business. (laughs) Y'all can spread the word, by the way. That's not one. But so that we can get together and have fun as a church. Raise money for missions. Watch these kids serve. I love you guys. Awesome. We can build fellowship and laugh. So we're going to give you opportunities to connect. One of the reasons that we're expanding our Wednesday night services an extra 30 minutes is so that you have more time to learn. Because we're not playing church. We're trying to put things in you so that you can grow and be the church. That's why we're doing this. And all these classes that we're offering, we're serious about this. We want you to grow. We want you to flourish. All right, well, I'm going to quit. But before I do that, I want you to do something that's very serious. See this little acorn nut? Look at your neighbor and say, you're a nut. Go ahead. I said you could do that. Let's stop going to church and let's start being the church. Make the decision in your life that you know what? I'm going to go all in. I'm going to be planted in God's house. Not perfect but I'm going to be planted and I'm going to watch God let my life flourish as he fulfills his word. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these awesome people that we had the honor to serve. Lord, thank you for them. Lord, I pray today that this word has gone deep into their hearts and that, Father, they would ask themselves that question, am I planted? Am I ready to be planted? And Father, I pray as they answer that question, whether it's with us or somewhere, that that they would let their roots go deep and that, Father, you would fulfill your word because as we say before every service, this word is true. And so if this word is true, Lord, and our lives want to flourish, Lord, I pray that you would honor your word and as we go deeper into you, our lives would flourish and our children and our grandchildren and all those around us and our community would be impacted because we are faithful to you. And some of us, Lord, may look back and say, I wish I would have done this 20 years ago. And there's that regret And I get that. But we can't do anything about yesterday. But we can make a decision today. And so, Father, we choose to be planted. 
we choose to make our stand with you. But Lord, as we do that, I pray that we would grow and our lives would become an amazing testimony of your love and your mercy in our lives and in the lives of everyone around us. And I thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, I'm gonna let you guys stand. I'm gonna pray a blessing over you. You guys are awesome. You're awesome. And I'm not just saying that because I'm sweet or pretty. (laughs) You really are. You're an amazing church. You're amazing people. They need you out there. They need you. Because they're broken and they're hurting and they need hope. And when you go out there, a world is dying, literally dying, looking for hope. And you have that seed in your life. Go out there and let people see what love looks like. Let them see what hope looks like. Let them see what Jesus looks like in your life. Amen. We pray over you. Father, thank you today as we leave this place, Lord. Help us to be a blessing to the world because that's what you've called us to be. And Father, as we go out there, Lord, let us just shine your light. Lord, let us provide shade to those around us. Lord, let us share your love with them and your mercy. Let us be your hands and feet, Lord. Let us show them what that looks like. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. Well, as you leave today, there's a sign-up sheet in the lobby for next week. Uh, Go sign up that, and if you hurry, you can see the Cowboy game in five minutes. (laughs) God bless you guys.